Welcome to another Aflame teaching session. We hope you enjoy this special message by Hank Kleinschmidt. I want to jump into tonight's topic, which is uh, just a real, actually simple overflow from last week. And, and you guys asked that we talk about that a little bit. And, and the topic is mystic prayer, and um, I want to. I'm going to give you the the theology or the you know the the kind of logic behind it, and and then also want to take you just in some practical experience of my own, uh, you know, just to, to kind of help you a little bit in that. And with that, I'm also saying that if I should give myself a mark out of ten uh, for mystic prayer, it probably wouldn't be a very high mark. Uh, but it is something that I desire, you know, and it's something that I understand more and more as I go on this journey. So, um, and on the other hand, I want to just say at the onset that the minute that anything puts pressure uh, in the sense that you feel you need to perform in a way that you, that actually kills you a little bit, you should probably stop, you know, in that and move into something different, you know, because uh, then you probably understood the message a little bit wrong or it came out in a way where, where you're not feeling grace, but you're actually feeling religious pressure. That, that, that is not a, that, that's not the place where any of this should take you. This should take you into freedom and this, this should actually remove religious yokes from you so that you can relax in the presence of the Lord and grow in, in depth with Him and not feel you're burdened by works or anything like that because that's not the purpose of, any of this and that shouldn't be what's happening on your side uh, everything that we've been sharing on from last week all of it it, it it springs up out of grace it springs up out of the fact that jesus did something on the cross and we can just enter into that grace right now but also talking about this stuff is it's supposed to make you hungry and make you go all right but there might be a different way of doing things uh, there might be avenues that I haven't thought of, of using before in my prayer life or in my intimacy with the Lord. And that's kind of what it's about. It's just to kind of stir up that realm and maybe say, listen, most of you are probably doing this in any way. You just don't know it. You know, so there's just language being given to something that most of you guys are doing in any way. And also, I, I just want to say at the onset that, listen, there's no, there's no such thing as, as, as bad prayer. Uh, does that make sense? You know, so... I mean, if your heart is set on the Lord and you're sincere, prayer is good, right? So there's not like you're praying right or wrong. I, I remember at some point a lot of this, a lot of this stuff came out, and um, I actually felt nervous praying for my food because I didn't exactly know what to say to it anymore because there was such weird stuff. I'm like, man, what should I? I don't know what to tell the food to do now. I just actually want to enjoy it. You know, if that happens, we're missing the point in any way, all right? That's not what we're. That's not what we're going for. So, and by talking about mystic prayer, if you look at Second, First uh, Timothy two verse one and two, I'm not going to go into that in, in depth, but I just want to say that listen, you, th there's different kinds of prayer that you see in there. You see supplication, prayers, thanksgivings, and intercession. So it's four. That's just Paul mentioning quickly. He's just saying here's four different kinds of prayer, and he's saying you should make, you should do all of these. Right? So it's not like it's just the one or just the other, but it's all of this stuff combined that actually fills our, our prayer life. And again, I want you to think um, relationally uh, when you do this stuff. 
And and what I mean with that is 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 approach everything out of out of the, the concept that you're having a relationship with your father, right? Or you're having a relationship with your friend. So how are you going to do that? It's not just one way of connecting with people. There's different ways of connecting with a person, and that actually makes a relationship rich. So to say that hey, you know, intercession is bad. Now that would be foolishness. It's not true. It, it absolutely has to be there. Or to say that supplication is not the way to go. That's also it's not right. Or it's just mystic prayer. No, it's not. You know, and and by the way, if you do mystic prayer right, you're actually going to intercede more anyway. You're just going to intercede more accurately. Uh, you're just going to pray more effective prayers. That's what I believe, and that's what I've kind of been been seeing. So, so just to put those things in context, and again, just remember Hebrews five seven. Um, I'm just going to read it quickly. You all know it, but this is speaking about Jesus. So just to put things in context, in the days of his earthly life. Jesus, Jesus offered up both specific petitions and urgent supplications for that which he needed, with vervent crying out and tears to the one who was always able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission toward God. So just, just quickly out there, do you see that Jesus made supplications? Jesus prayed, he went into travail, he carried burdens in prayer. So of course you're going to do that as well, right? You understand it? It's part of it. I think what it's about is the birthing place of these things. And, you know, when prayer becomes liberating or when it's free and when there's life in it, it's when it's birthed out of the spirit into your spirit and not my flesh or my soul trying to produce something so that I feel like, like we're getting somewhere. But it's, it's prayer that flows out of his spirit into mine and now I start releasing that into the world. That, that's the kind of prayer we want to get into because that actually rejuvenates us, it energizes us. And, and like I say, it's just, it's just really accurate and strong and more prophetic. Just a reminder again, I'm going to say it again, just so that everybody relax. What is a mystic? Right, I'm going to give you the definition again. It's a person who seeks by contemplation and self-surrender to obtain unity with or absorption into the deity or who believes in the spiritual apprehension of truths that are beyond the intellect. That is what it is. Another definition, someone who attempts to be united with God through prayer, right? So you should be a mystic, all right? Don't let the New Agers get you. This is actually who we are. They are fake. We are the real deal, okay? So just relax again. Just remember, that is what it's about. That is what mysticism is about. It's about a life in the Spirit. It's about us connecting with God in this way. Um, you know the famous verse, Isaiah 40, verse 31? And I kind of want you to, I'm going to read it again real quick. And then I want you to just think about this. Measure your own prayer life against this real quick for a minute. And tell me if you feel like this afterwards. It says, but those who wait, that, that word wait, you all know, it's to be entwined, it's to twist, it's to be expectant. So it's to twist together with God. Those who wait on the Lord who expect, look for, and hope in Him, will gain new strength and renew their power. I just want to pause there, right? So when I pray in this way, there's a way of prayer that actually renews my strength, okay? There's a way of prayer where I actually come out of it and my power is renewed, I'm rejuvenated, I'm energized again. You lift up on the wings of an eagle and rise up close to God like eagles rising toward the sun. They will run and not become weary. They will walk and not grow 
tired, right? Isaiah 40, 31 in the Amplified. So just remember that prayer is actually supposed to do this. And when we wait upon the Lord, and that's the word, wait, uh, when, when we get the art of waiting upon God right, then we actually walk out of prayer rejuvenated and energized, and we start soaring on the wings of eagles. We start soaring in the spirit, and we actually get closer to God than what we were before. That is what prayer should feel like for us. You know, forget the word mystic prayer. Just take that away for a minute. That is what the connection with the Lord should feel like. That's how we should walk out of moments with God, right? Is energized, fueled, fired up. Uh, we should be renewed. We should feel like we have direction after that. Even if he didn't speak a word, but we just felt his presence. Because we're waiting with an expectation on God and he says he'll come, right? So that, that should be, first of all, kind of the goal of where we're going towards. It's Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, those who are weary and heavy laden, right? The point was, it's actually easy to come to him, okay? <laughs> Coming to him should be easy. Coming to him shouldn't exhaust you. So if, if it already exhausts you just thinking about it, we're probably doing it wrong. Do you agree? If, if, it, if, it, if it taps energy out of us as we're doing it, we're probably not doing this right. We, we Somewhere a wrong understanding of this whole thing kind of stepped into us and it became a works mentality instead of us just moving into the Lord and easing into what he's doing or what he's already accomplished on the cross. So just, just keep that at the back of your head. I want you to see the picture of Moses uh, with God. You know, the book of Exodus, man, it's one of the most mystic books in the Bible to me personally. I mean, if you just read, Moses was just a, man, I, I'm jealous and I'm in the new covenant. I'm just like, dude, what happened there? You know, I mean, even his 70 elders went up the mountain and they walked on the sapphire stones where God would walk upon. That's the crystal sea, the sea of glass that's in front of the throne. Him and his 70 elders with Joshua and Aaron just went up the mountain and suddenly they're on that. Then they had a meal with God. That's Exodus 24 or 23. Had a meal with God and then God's like, hey, um, Moses, these guys can stay here. I want you to come up a little bit higher. So just come with me this way. Then he's with God face to face, 40 days, 40 nights. I mean, what in the world, right? And, and, and it wasn't hard in the sense that, I don't know, it was just constantly God going, hey, I want to talk to you. <laughs> I, it wasn't like this thing. It's just, hey, Moses, I want to talk to you. Just come up here. Come up into the mountain. And by the way, uh, somebody said that they would like us to speak about the mountain of the Lord. This thing is, is intertwined like this. Right? Mystic prayer on the mountain of the Lord. Basically, you, you can just throw it together, right? And uh, I mean, you, you can expand on it, but, but it, it's, it's simple in that sense. So the point is he just kept going up. And that's where God speaks of Moses, Exodus 33, 11, where he says, And so the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face, just as a man speaks to his friend. And when, when you hear prayer, I want you to hear that. I want you to hear face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Tonight, I want something about friendship with God to drop in our spirits afresh. For to me, that is the key uh, to mystic prayer. And actually, to me, to me, that is mystic prayer. It's being a friend of God. It's somebody that speaks to his friend, that can be face-to-face, -face, but that can see him as a friend with all the holiness and awe and wonder that goes around and the respect that's in that moment. But, but it's a friendship with the Lord, and it's communing with God as a friend. It's face-to-face -face with God as a friend, 
uh, would speak to the Lord, right? And when I, so, so just keep all of that in mind as we kind of go into this thing a little deeper. Um, so there's a lady that kind of coined the thing or, or really made it famous. Her name was um, Teresa of Avila, Saint Teresa of Avila. She was a Hispanic mystic and she wrote a couple of books. And in those books, she, she kind of, the, the art of prayer, it, it was something that she would just, she just had grace on it tremendously. And her writing shaped basically all the mystics after her. And, and it just became this manual on prayer, basically, that, that was kind of forgotten because of the split, you know, in the direction of Protestants, Protestants going one way and, and the Catholics going another way. And listen, there's a lot of, a lot of bad stuff in Catholic theology, but there's a lot of treasures in there as well. I mean, there's a lot of bad stuff on both sides, you know, of the coin. So, uh, but the point is that what she did really shaped uh, this thing about prayer. And she wrote three pieces of work. I can't remember all of her names, but the last one was the inner castle. And in that, she actually mentions seven uh, stages. I don't even like the word, but I'm going to give it to you and then I'll break it down again. Seven stages of prayer. Uh, in her early work, she only spoke of four. And um, I've been looking at those, uh, at those stages the last couple of years. I would probably say for about four or five years, I've kind of been looking into that stuff. And um, it's amazing. And basically what happened is she, she took her own prayer life because she was a lady that would go in these, you know, supernatural encounters or what they call ecstasies. We're going to use that word as well tonight. It just gives us a bit of a different, you know, encounter is one thing, but an ecstasy is kind of a whole different level of, of, of encountering the Lord. So she went into these ecstasies with God and it was so intense that she would start floating in the air and people would have to run and pull her down while she was in prayer. She would be completely out of it. This is the kind of stuff that uh, Maria Woodworth Eter, she, she, which is amazing about her because she would go into these experiences while preaching, right? And I mean, it's, it's well known about her that she would stand and preach and she would turn into a statue or whatever you want to call it for like seven days, just frozen in one position. But when that would happen, uh, people in a 50-mile radius from where she would be preaching would get born again because they would have encounters with God. They would see hell and they would see heaven and they would fall on their knees and get born again while she would be in these states. And while she were in these states, doctors would come and do tests on her just to check if, you know, what's going on. And nobody could quite explain it. It was just bizarre. And then all of a sudden she would just come out of it and keep on preaching exactly where she left off. So, I mean, it's just bizarre encounters. You know, um, Francis of Assisi, which was an amazing guy as well. Uh, this was before Teresa of Avila, but he would have the same experiences. He just didn't have the language. He was the guy that would pray in lights. I mean, that was in the 11th and 12th century, and lights would start flashing in his room, like spotlights would go all over the place. I mean, this is like, you know, very on candlelight. So, so just bizarre things um, starting to happen around guys like this. I mean, John Lake would, would pray in a prayer line one time, and he was praying, and somebody brought like a prayer request from Ireland. He was in Pretoria, South Africa. And as he was praying, the next moment, minute, he went in an ecstasy, and he went into the room of this guy who was in an asylum. He was in a, a crazy, you know, he was crazy or whatever. And uh, John Lake walked in behind this guy, put his hands on him, started praying for him, and, and the guy would be free in that moment, and John would be back. You know, he's like, you know, what just happened? Then a week later, they received a telegram or whatever saying, listen, uh, at exactly that hour, you walked into that guy's room in Ireland, and this is what happened. 
So, you know, so I mean, this is like weird stuff, but it happened to it happened to so many of the men and women of old that we all honor. You know, Paul had the same thing. Whether I was in the body or out of the body, I don't know. You know, that, that's kind of the deal. It, it it's it's where a line is almost crossed between the natural and the supernatural, where you don't know which one it is anymore, and it doesn't really matter. But it's awesome, right? And you step into that union, you step into that oneness with the Lord, and that's kind of where we want to get to. I realize I spoke into my bottle, so I don't know if you heard that. <laughs> but anyway, so, um, okay, so I'm going to take you through these stages of prayer. And what I'm trying to do with it is not confuse you or give you work or make you feel lesser. I'm trying to show you, because this has probably happened to you already in some degree. And what I'm trying to do is to show you the stages. And because some of us stop at a certain point in prayer, and that's actually what, what tonight, if I can have one goal, is that you'll pray on a little bit more when you pray next time. But you'll push the envelope a little bit more when you're when you're in that place, right? So, what the Lord kind of started showing me is that these four stages that she spoke about really relates greatly to the tabernacle of Moses, right? So I'm gonna actually try and explain it to you out of the tabernacle because that's gonna give you a really good grid for for what's going on. So, first of all, I, I just want to say this one thing: Psalm 100, verse four. We enter His gates with praise and His courts with thanksgiving, right? Famous verse. We all know that one. Agree? Um, that, that principle is kind of the covering over everything that we're saying. Right? We enter his gates with praise and we enter his courts with thanksgiving. That, that speaks. I know a lot of guys use it to talk about the courts of heaven. They use this. I mean, that's just, sorry, that's just bad Bible interpretation because Psalm 100 is not talking about the courts at all. It's talking about the courts of the tabernacle. Right? So you have to see it in that way. So I want you to see as you pray that this is kind of what we're, we're stepping into. So we enter his gates with praise and his courts with thanksgiving. It's the courts of the tabernacle, right? So the gates of the tabernacle, that's what we're talking about. And um, so here's the thing. I want you to remember that thanksgiving and praise is like it, it covers everything that we're talking about tonight. And it should cover your life. Because thanks, because remember what I, I said this years back, God showed me one time that, that whatever you're praying, you, you exalt what you're talking about the whole time. So you can actually praise the enemy through complaining or you can praise God through praising and giving thanks, right? And we have to step into that place where we lift God up because that way it's kind of like it pulls us into him, right? We cannot sit in this place of moaning and groaning the whole time and come heavy into the presence I understand coming in heavy in terms of you have stuff that you carry in your heart, but you want to actually get into the presence. Am I right? That's the point. Because in the presence, we have fullness of joy. So you want to be able to push through that heaviness into the presence so that you can give it unto the Lord. So we have to be able to break through what we feel in that moment and step into praise and thanksgiving so that we can move forward into you know into these stages so just remember that as a backdrop that should always be kind of our entrance point is thanksgiving and praise but the first part of this prayer is, is outer court prayer right um an outer court prayer i want you to see it this way uh, you know there's in the outer court there were two elements or utensils it was the the brazen altar or the altar of burnt offering and it was the bronze uh, labor or you know where they washed themselves and, and this is kind of where we all begin in prayer, 
obviously, right? So this is the outer cordon, and this is kind of the place, because what happened at the sin offering, this whole outer court was very centered around man. Does it make sense? It, it was centered around my issues, uh, my problems, my sin, my shortcomings, my failure, my, unclean, my uncleanness. So this is the realm also. This is the first part of prayer. Um, so I call it outer court. She calls it meditation and recollection. It's exactly the same thing. I just want to give you the words. So this is the place where most of us pray from, and this is where we begin. Obviously, that's kind of where, where prayer starts. It's in the outer court. And what I mean with that is a lot of our prayer here is focused around earthly matters and issues, which is important because Jesus did supplication as well, as I started off with. So, but a lot of what happens here uh, is kind of centered around me and the people around me, which is great. And it has to happen. It's absolutely necessary that we deal with those things in prayer. That's where we come and we present offerings unto the Lord for our sin, for our mistakes. And this is the place where repentance needs to take place. And what I mean with repentance is because we're in the era of grace, just understand me right, I'm talking about repenting and getting my mind aligned with the truth of God over me, right? So this is not always about what did you do wrong today, but it's kind of confessing God's truth over my life and starting to step into that. Let the lies start falling off. This is about getting your thoughts back to the Lord and about learning to let go of the things that kind of um, hinders you a little bit of life. All the worries, all the concerns, all the anxieties. Do you understand that anxiety and worry, uh, that's also something that we need to repent of. And I don't mean like God ridicules us. You know, there are certain things that we as humans are concerned about that, that would make sense to be concerned about it. But if it goes too far, it's a problem. You understand what I'm trying to say? But the place of concern or, or worry or I, I love, you know, I love somebody or this problem or that problem, that is something that I bring to the Lord as an offering in this phase of prayer and I give it unto the Lord. So I lay my burdens unto the Lord, right? This is where I give stuff over to God and I say, I'm not, I'm not going to try not to work on this right now. Uh, I trust you enough to give it to you and I let it be at your feet. So I set my mind on the things which are above. I repent of the things that concerns me. I repent of the things that's withholding me from just openly connecting with God, right? Uh, Psalm 24 is also like a perfect example of, of what, what it is, you know, of, of this form of prayer is, um, you know, who can enter the mountain of the Lord, but he with clean hands and a pure heart, right? And the outer court is about that. It's about that sanctification. It's about just washing myself again. It's bringing the offerings unto the Lord, saying, Lord, I give this to you. I surrender. Um, I give it over to you. I let my battles go in this moment. Um, you know, when this lockdown started, we came out of a crazy busy time uh, the first couple of months of the year. Are you guys still all right? Anybody just wave at me or something? Just like you're still fine. All right. So we came out of a super busy. Um, I, I think we. From uh, January to the lockdown started, we were at our home in you know East London for five days. That that was it. So I mean, we were just crazy busy. And it was just wild. It was awesome, but it was wild. So then when we came into lockdown, I'm like, man, all right, this is awesome. And and now suddenly you start thinking about everything you need to pray about and all the people you need to cover in prayer. And you know, I need to do this and I need to do that and I need to all do all of these things. And um, 
I literally felt God tell me to stop. I just felt the Lord say, stop. You just stop praying for, you know, stop praying for everything. Stop, you know, just laboring so hard and stuff. Stop working at this relationship with me. Just stop for a minute and just give everything to me. This is outer court. Like the Lord just told me, just, I know what I'm doing. You know, just give it to me. Like, okay, I'll, I'll do that. You know, and that's actually kind of easy because most of us are super good at praying. When we're praying for something, we're, we're waging war, spiritual warfare, going, going for souls, praying for nations. Boy, it's exhausting just talking about it, but we do it and it's awesome. We should, yeah, don't stop doing it, right? But stop for now. And just, we, you know, we're so good at the works part of it. And that's out of court prayer. It's awesome. But listen, prayer cannot stop here. Do you agree? We, we can't make this out to be our prayer life. And many of us, what we do is we pray through the outer court and then we feel something lift. You know, we all say, yeah, the burden lifted. And then we're like, oh, that was good. Yeah, that was good. Let's, let's get out of here. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Let's go for the coffee pot. <laughs> and we were kind of taught like that as well. Hey, the burden lifted. It's good, man. We can move on. Listen, I want to tell you, you've just started. You haven't even started yet, actually. We're, we're just scratching the surface of where God wants to go, right? And many of us stop at this place, but it's not. This is the offering of prayer. This is sacrifice, the sacrifice of prayer. It's, a, it's the, the offering of worship and praise that we give here. This is not... This is not the end goal. This is just the outer court. And this is just the brazen altar. We haven't even stepped beyond that thing yet, right? And the tabernacle is a picture of something, and it's a shadow of stuff in heaven, but it's also a shadow of who we are as humans, right? Something about this relates to who we are. And so the sacrifice is made. The, the sin has been dealt with. Our anxiety has been laid on the Lord. We placed it on Him. And now what's the next thing in the outer court? It's, it's the labor, the bronze labor, which was where the priest, and we're all a royal priest of the chosen generation, right? First Peter 2, 9. So the priest would go, he would do all the offerings and sacrifices, and then he would cleanse himself uh, in the water. They would have to wash so that they can be clean to go into the, into the inner court of the holy place, right? Which is the second stage of prayer. So I want you to see that for a minute. So in, in Solomon's temple, that, that labor was massive. They said it looked like an ocean. It was, I don't know the dimensions. You can go and read it in Kings or something. But it was a big, big thing. And it's compared to the ocean. It's called the Sea of Crystal. That is in front of the throne of God, if you read Revelation chapter 4. It's also the ocean that Micah refers to in Micah 7, verse 18 and 19, where he says, God will take your sin and he will cast it into the sea, right? And the point is that he will never remember it again. So it's, that's why we have the term, the sea of forgetfulness. It's actually not a biblical word. It's not in the Bible, but it comes from Micah 7. The point is that we let go of everything in this place. Everything needs to stay behind. The past needs to stay in the past. Our failures needs to stay in that labor of bronze. Um, we exactly what we spoke about last week. I let go of what's behind and I stretch out to what's ahead of me. You know, and your mind always wants to play tricks on you in this place because it, it's always pulling you back to your worries and to your concerns. And it's hard and it, it's kind of crazy because it actually takes faith to surrender this stuff over to God. Right? It takes faith to believe that when I pray, did he actually listen? 
and I can leave it at his feet now, and he knows what to do with this stuff. It takes faith to say, all right, I trust you enough to know that, you know, you say that you hear me when I pray, and you hear the intercession and the cry of my heart, and I leave it with you right now. And I'm going to go beyond this place. I'm going to step into a deeper place. This is us, this level of prayer or stage or whatever, this phase of prayer is about us letting go of us. Does it make sense? This is you shaking off the dust of the day, shaking off the worries of life, and you let it at the feet of Jesus. Guys, this is massive uh, in our relationship with the Lord. It, it, it's so simple, and it's the simplest form of prayer. But yet some of us, we overpray stuff. Does it make sense? We latch on to issues, and we start praying into that thing, but we overpray it that the issue actually becomes exalted, right? Instead of giving that thing into God's hands and surrendering and trusting that God has this thing, right? On the way out, we'll talk about picking burdens up again, right? But you have to get the idea that somewhere we have to let go. This is faith. Because this prayer, what I'm saying when I'm doing this, all of what I'm talking about is, is one thing that I'm saying, I'm interested in your presence. I'm interested to be the friend that Moses was. Everything in prayer has to be around the presence. You have to stop praying like God is somewhere out in heaven. And you have to start praying like he's sitting right in front of you. Jesus is sitting right in front of you when you pray. Crazier than that, he's right inside of you when you pray. He's not out there far. He actually lives. He dwells inside of me. So the God you're praying to, this, this awesome, amazing God, he's right inside of me. He's right in front of me when I pray. Right? And I can literally just surrender and give my heart over to him. Just place it in, in his hands and say, God, I give this over to you. I give you permission to handle this stuff. I think it was Graham Cook. He is amazing. And um, he, one day he had this thing with God, this conversation with the Lord, where the Lord, you know, he was praying or something. I can't remember the backdrop of the story. But basically what it came down to is Jesus started rebuking him. And, and he's like, what's going on? And Jesus said to him, Graham, I want my stuff back. He's like, God, what are you talking about? He's like, I want my stuff. And he's like, Jesus, why are you so, why are you so intense? And he's like, Graham, I paid for the stuff. I want it back. And he's like, Lord, what are you talking about? And Jesus said, I want the worries back. I want the anxiety back. I want the stress back. Give it to me. It's mine. I paid for it. <laughs> and I thought that's just brilliant. And it's exactly this. It's, it's to surrender. He paid for this. He knows, yes, you have to intercede. Yes, you have to do that. That cannot be every day of your life. That cannot be every prayer, right? That cannot be every prayer. Think about it. If we're talking about four stages, there should be 25% maximum of your prayer life. Should be supplication, right? So we have to get to the 75%. That's the good stuff although both is necessary. So again, it's about that. It's about stepping into the peace of God, the rest of God. 
it's literally what, what they would use, the language uh, that, that some of these guys used, the mystics would say, that this is like soul cleansing. This is the Holy Spirit ministering soul cleansing to you. So you just let go. You keep letting go of stuff. And your concern is the peace. Listen, you have to find the peace in these moments. Wherever you feel peace in this process of prayer, that's where you stay. You camp out there, right? You, you, what, you hang in that place where the peace is at. Where the presence comes, where you can feel the presence shift, stay there until it moves again. Then you start moving and you start fishing again in prayer, right? That's just the way you move forward, and it, and it works for me. Um, I just want to make sure I'm not missing something that might be good. Yeah, another thing you can obviously do here is start meditating on Scripture. Just start thinking about attributes of God, right? So hand this stuff off, but just start thinking about stuff. And I, I want to say something here. But in this part of your walk, in this part of prayer, less is more. So, some, you know, I, I, love, I love the word and I can read a lot of it. I enjoy it. But sometimes you've got to kind of go to a place where less is more and find, again, find that verse where you feel the presence on and sit on that verse. Listen, I've sat on verses. I've sat on chapters for months, the same chapter, just for months. I just keep going back to it over and over and over again because it, it just didn't leave me. And why should I leave it if it feeds me, you know? And we kind of, and again, because we, we, we feel pressure that I need to read the Bible in, you know, five days, the whole thing from Genesis to Revelation. St stop that. You know, just stop that. Unless God told you to do it, then don't. Last year, he told me to do the Bible in a year, so I did. It was awesome. I've done it a couple of times. I love doing that. But some days, I just threw the Bible plan out of the window because I actually hate Bible plans. I, I just... I, cannot stand it. I, I don't like you telling me what I'm supposed to read. I don't like that. I want to I read what I want to read. I want to read where I feel life, you know? And um, so there's nothing wrong with it again, but it's just personally, I don't like it, but I did do it last year. and It was awesome. So just relax and just get what feeds your soul. And that's what I want to just say over and over. Friendship with God. Friendship with the Lord. It's not a formula. It's not performance. It's not how much can you do. It's not, it's not about that. It's about connecting with your friend. That's it. Like, how do you connect with him? What, what works for you? Right? That's the place where we should be. Uh, I've told the story tons of times, and I, and I go back there so often, I'm there again. You know, my wife helped me. She's awesome. <laughs> uh, just to go back to the place where, where I found him. You know, in the beginning, when I got born again, I, I, you know, I, I would literally go to coffee shops and it would just be me and him. And I would talk to him like a friend. People might have thought I'm a bit crazy, but it worked for me, right? And I would just hang out with Jesus. We would just drink coffee. We'd just talk, talk, literally. I would ask questions like, how are you? I know that sounds crazy, but it was a good question at the point in time, right? I would just sit with him. I still do it now. I just sit on the bench and do nothing. And I don't do nothing. I actually talk with him. It's awesome. But you see, we, we're stuck in formulas and we feel pressure. We feel we need to do something. We need to be someone. That's not it. It's not it. Cast your burdens unto the Lord, right? Surrender the stuff in the outer court. You have to do it. It's necessary. Don't get me wrong. It's important. But we can't live there the whole time, right? If we want to be energized and encouraged and renew our strength like Isaiah 40, 31, we have to get beyond this place. Because this place is mad. 
This is man ministering unto the Lord, which is awesome. It's important. But a lot of this is centered around me, right? So once you've worked through this, like I said, this is where a lot of people say, oh, the burden is lifted, so you know, let, let's get out of here. I want to say, no, 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 this is just, we're just beginning, right? So now we're in the outer, outer court. Now we step into the inner court of a holy place, right? And this is what they call the prayer of quiet. And what starts happening here, you guys would have felt that in prayer, is when you pray through something and you keep praying, it's kind of like there's a shift in the atmosphere that takes place. And it's like God starts invading your prayers more. Where in the beginning it was you trying to invade God. You were drawing near to God. James 4, right? Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. So what happens is this first phase is literally about us drawing near to God. This is the part where it's a little bit of labor. It's a little bit of work and we push through and you need to silence your thoughts and surrender stuff unto the Lord over and over. And, that, and that's just great. But now in, in this inner court, you actually step into a different thing where it becomes more God-centered everything that we're doing, right? Because in the inner court, in the holy place, you had three elements in there. You had the table of showbread with the showbread on it. You had the menorah on, on the left. And then you had right in front of the curtain, you had the altar of incense, okay? So the point was that in this phase, everything is about you becoming aware of him right it's us becoming aware of god and not becoming aware of the need or the warfare or the souls that must be won or the business or the family stuff but this is my awareness of god needs to be awakened in this place uh this is about me shifting gears kind of into a place where it's not about me but it's about connecting with the lord now so my attention everything is shifting towards him so that's why in, in, in the inner court, like as they came in, they would go to the table of showbread. Now, um, it, it's also called the bread of the presence. But the interesting thing is there is no Hebrew word for presence. Uh, there, that word doesn't exist. So we put it in there for us to understand. But in Hebrew, that would be the bread of faces or the bread of his face. So I want you to think about that for a minute. So as the priest, you come in there and suddenly you become aware of the face of God. Suddenly you shift into an awareness that he's looking, he's, his eyes, he's gazing upon me and I actually start gazing upon him, right? So it's immediately in the second court, I start shifting into a God-centeredness. I start shifting into a place where everything moves to his face. And again, I want you to think like all of this stuff you can get in Revelation 4, the throne room, because what was there, the four living creatures with the four faces, right? And you had to pass through that. Right? So, so it's literally like you're starting to move towards the throne. You're, that's it. You're approaching the throne. You're approaching the great I am, and you're, you're stepping into that place. But you start lifting yourself, and you start gazing upon the face of God. So everything in this arena starts shifting towards him. It, everything is designed here to pull you into an awareness of him. It's not your flesh, not your son anymore, but it's God. It's just Jesus. We're looking at Jesus. It's the presence that I want. I'm stepping into that place uh, immediately. Um, and that's why David, Psalm 27, 4, one thing I have asked of the Lord and that I will see 
that I may dwell in the house of the Lord, in his presence, all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty, the delightful loveliness and majestic grandeur of the Lord, and to meditate in his temple. Here's, so David is saying, one thing I ask is I may dwell in the house of the Lord. So we're, that's it, right? We're, we're talking about this right now. And that I may gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. That word gaze is also the word used for a seer prophet. But what I want you to, I don't want to talk about that, but what I want you to see in that word, that means to look and to keep on looking, to behold and to keep on beholding. So David is saying, one thing I will do is I want to behold you. I want to keep on beholding you. I want to look at you and I want to keep on looking at you. So it's, it's deepening myself into him. This is contemplation, by the way. That's what it means. It means to, to behold him, to look at God, to contemplate God. So I have to shift in my understanding towards him. And listen, your mind is still going to pull you this way and that way. It's okay, right? But you will start feeling that there's a shift right here into the presence. There's a shift. Uh, into a place of just being with God, of just being restful in it, where he actually pulls something out of you that is super powerful and amazing, right? Does that make sense to you guys? Are you still with me? All right. So it's, and here also, we need to start listening more and talking less, right? That, that's actually where we want to get to, is that you want to become quiet before the Lord. You want to step into silence, right? Silence to me is one of the most, maybe it's a personality thing, but I love silence. I, I just, I absolutely love it. I love it. There's peace in it. And God speaks to me in silence. So, so to me, silence is incredibly precious. He can speak to me in any place. I get that. But, but for me, where I, where I feel recharged uh, in silence. And, and silence belongs to the Lord, actually. It's one of the Psalms 65. It says, silence belongs to God. There is a quiet in the Lord that is powerful. Be still and know that I am God. Psalm 46 verse 10. That word still is actually a verb. And, and, and it, it means, it's crazy when you actually look at that word. It, it means it, it's something that grips hold of you. Right? Let me read that to you because I'm going to mess it up. Uh, it means to sink down to relax, to withdraw, abandon, refrain, and forsake. It's to be consumed as with fire. You are consumed with silence as fire consumes. Um, and then actually another word for silence, it means to engrave something. It's also where selah, which is the word pause in the presence, this is kind of where we're moving towards. It's to actually just, just pause in the presence of God. It's silence that starts coming over you. And when that, for me, when that silence comes, I know that I'm stepping into a deeper realm of prayer. I'm stepping into a deeper connection with the Lord right now. And I, I love that. To me, that's, that's kind of personally, that's what I look for. It might be different for other people because we all wired differently and I understand that. But for me personally, that, that's the place where I find great joy and strength and um, just the infusing of, of the Lord in me. But the point is because here I start listening or I start asking the questions that he's asking me to ask. Does that make sense? Because who knows that God does ask leading questions <laughs> a lot, right? So he leads you into certain questions and you want to get there. You want to get your mind silenced enough so that you can listen with your heart and with your spirit 
and actually start, um, you know, experiencing that. Um, you know, the way I want to explain this to you is God one day told me, he said, listen, um, if, if you're like, I want you to imagine the most influential person or the person you would, you know, literally pay to spend time with that person, right? Business, ministry, whatever it would be like. If that person would walk into the room in a, in a crowded room and they would sit kind of just across from you on the couch, um, I know what I'm like. So when that happens, I, I will look like I'm listening at what you're saying, but I'm kind of, you know, I'm trying to do both ways here. And I know it's horrible. It's a confession, but, but that's exactly because in my heart, I will be like that person can drop a key any minute that could change my life forever. That one, he could throw a one liner now that could change the course of my life forever. So I just, you know, I need to engage. I need to lock my ear onto that person, you know, and I've been around some people that I respect a lot in ministry. And that's exactly, there will be a table full of people eating. And I would, I would listen. I would be talking about man. If they start talking, I would just, you know, my ear would kind of be itching towards that direction because I'm just ready. They could just drop something right now, man. And we're going to do something awesome out of it. So, and the Lord said to me, that's, that's how I, how he wants me to be with him. He wants me to approach it that way in prayer is to so sit and wait for that one line that can change my life, you know, to be praying with that kind of an expectation is to listen to what he is saying, because we all know the power of a word from the Lord. One word can change the course of our history forever. One word can change everything. One word can create your future, right? One word can do that. So you want to be that person in prayer that steps in. And as I'm holding that bread of the presence, I start listening. And my goal is now listening and not speaking. Right? I want to step into that place of hearing what he has to say. Right? And as I step through this thing, what do I see on my left? I see the menorah, the seven flames burning. It's Revelation uh, chapter 4. It's the sevenfold spirit of God. Right? It's right in front of the throne. And the sevenfold spirit, it's the Holy Spirit with these expressions, which is wisdom, the spirit, of, uh, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of knowledge, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of might, and the spirit of the fear of the Lord. And as you look at that, and as you kind of behold that reality, you have to realize that everything that you need in life is right here. Every answer that you're looking for, Every form of, of God manifesting himself in and through you into circumstances is found right here. Right here it's found. You don't have to look anywhere else. You don't, you don't need this or that. You need to be in this place because everything that you need is here, right? If you need wisdom, hey, it's here. If you need understanding, well, look at it. It's here. If you need might, it's here. If you need the counsel of God, it's here. If you need um, you know, the fear of the Lord, it's right here. Whatever you need, it's seated in this place, and you can find it. So, so you don't have to run off to this place or to that place, but it can actually be, you can just engage the Spirit of God, and it's here, right? We don't have to run away. We don't have to, there's no model. That's why it's not by power, not by might, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. This is it. It's the grace of God. As we behold His face, as we behold the Spirit of God and the sevenfold Spirit, suddenly we understand we are surrounded with everything that we need. We don't have to look beyond. We don't have to work at this. It's already here. We're in it, right? It's right in front of us. 
and everything is centered around God now. It's not about me, but it's about Him, right? What did we say last week? We become by grace what He is by nature, right? We become by grace what He is by nature. How do you become that? Living God aware. Living God-centered, just focusing your life into this place more and more where everything is about Him. Everything is about Him. And we don't have to look around. You know, this is such a, man, it's such a powerful place to step into. And it's so relaxing when you step into that. When we step into that with understanding, you know, my striving, I don't have to strive. It's available. It's in this place. Let's just engage it and move forward, you know. And, and I realize that God has made this stuff available for me. So I want to encourage you guys to, to kind of start seeing this, this outer court or this prayer of quiet. Why is it quiet? Exactly because you start talking less and he's impressing himself on you more. This is where scripture needs to get a grip of your spirit and you actually go, whoa, this thing is speaking to me, man. Right? I don't, I don't, I'm not working at it anymore, but this thing is filled with the presence right here. And it's moving over me. And as you move beyond that, the next thing that you see, and this is so awesome as I looked at this today, but it's, it's, the, it's the altar of incense, right? No sacrifice was allowed upon this. The fire needed to burn day and night. There had to be incense on the altar and fire on this thing day and night. And this was pure aromatic incense that was rising up. But this was also the last thing. And I know we're in a new covenant. But this was also the last thing that kept you from the veil or stepping into the Holy of Holies, right? The most holy place was this smoke, this cloud of incense that would rest in that place, right? And incense is always a picture of prayer, always. When you read Revelation, when you read the Psalms, Psalm 141, verse, verse 2, I love that. It says, David says, let my prayer as the evening sacrifice that burns like fragrant incense, rising as my offering to you as I lift up my hands in surrendered worship, right? So it's this idea that my prayers rise like incense unto the Lord, right? Again, everything in this place is unto the Lord. It's unto the Lord. This is not the place where I'm praying about my needs, but this is the place where I connect with Him, and it's unto God that I surrender. And I, unto God, I give my worship. So everything has to be God-centered. Jesus, Father, Holy Spirit, everything is about that right now. It's not about my needs and wants, right? And I step into that place. Another thing that I want you to see out of the prayer of this altar of incense is actually this. And in a new covenant context, this actually makes more sense to me. But it's Hebrews 7.25 that he, Jesus, lives to make intercession for us, right? So I want you to see as you step to this altar, this uh, altar of incense, it's the incense of Jesus that rises over your life. It, it's what Jesus is praying for you right now that gives you access into the most holy place. It's literally Jesus sitting in heaven right now and he's making intercession and he's praying for you and he's releasing stuff over your life. And that's this altar of incense. So once again, yes, it, it's our prayers, but also it's his prayers and the Holy Spirit's in intercession in, in, uh, in uh, Romans chapter 8. 
both of these live to make intercession for you. Do you realize that? You've got a pretty impressive intercession team already right there. It's Jesus and the Holy Spirit both interceding for you. In, at the throne, at, in front of the Father, day and night, that incense is rising right in front of him. And you actually step into that. And that, you, you see, this is where listening prayer is important, or the prayer of quiet, because you want to be hearing what is he praying over you, right? You want to listen to what Jesus is praying. I do it quite often. I would sit and I would start thinking of people. And I would ask the Lord, Lord, what, what do you want? What are you praying for them right now? And what do you want me to pray for them right now? And it's, I have a list in my book that I write often and I would just stay on that prayer. I would see people's faces and I would just be, this is what I'm praying for. And maybe two or three lines, but I'm actually praying that for them because he's praying that for him. That's what I heard. So I'm praying what he's praying for them. Do you know how awesome that is? That is just fun, right? Because I feel like I'm partnering with the greatest intercessor in the universe and I'm praying with him and I, I've got a great feeling that this is going to happen because <laughs> the odds are in my favor right now. I've got the Holy Spirit and Jesus praying the same thing. So that's pretty amazing, right? And, and that's the point. It's listening. It's hearing. It's stepping into that place of just surrendering. Boy, are you guys alive? Because this is, we're running out of time, or I don't know, I have time. I don't know if you have time, but I see we're only like an hour in and I'm not even halfway yet. So I don't know, can we keep going a little bit? And if we need to stop, we'll stop. But, uh, but yeah, I don't want to kill you. Uh, it's possible. But anyway, so I want to so say this incense, it's so powerful because it's the prayers of Christ. And, and it, it's, it's the intercession of Jesus. And I want to tell you something. If you really want to intercede, this is what you want to do, right? You want to stay past the outer court, into the inner court, and you want to catch his prayers. And you want to bring that out and start releasing that into the world. That is Isaiah 55, a word that will not return void, right? That is intercession that shakes the nations it's asking him what do you want me to pray and then you pray that right i think i told you the story well, maybe you heard it maybe you didn't i'm going to tell it again but it's going to give a short vision uh, jeff jansen was preaching and bob jones was sitting in the front row while he was preaching and uh, and jeff was going it was an awesome service like three thousand people in the place and Every now and again, Jeff would walk past Bob and Bob Jones would just stop him and say, hey, uh, Jeff, um, uh, you know, Jesus is praying for you. Jeff would be like, this is such a bad time. I'm preaching. You know, he's like, I'm preaching. And he would just go up and down every like two, three times. But, you know, Bob would just pull him and like, hey, Jeff, Jesus is praying for you. And he's like, you know, kind of getting a little bit frustrated at the situation because he's picking up speed and Bob is interfering. You know? And um, so he kept doing it, kept doing it. And then at some point, uh, Bob kind of held his hand and he said, Jeff, do you want to know what he's praying for you? And he was like, yeah, sure. You know, kind of just wanting him to go away. And he said, he said this, he said, Jesus is praying that you will do better than he ever did on the earth. John 14, 12. Right? You would do the same works as I did and greater. And I mean, that just floored him, right? But to me, when I heard that story, that is intercession of Christ. And hearing that 
and partnering with that in prayer because that is entwining yourself with God and it infuses you with life and it energizes you, right? And how do you get to that? Hey, Jesus, what are you praying for, basically? Right? It's talking with God. Lord, man, how's Cyril doing? I don't know. <laughs> you know, man, he must have a rough job. You want me to pray for him? What can I pray for him, Lord? How can I partner with you in this? And he shows you something. Right? It's, it, this is the place where, where he gives you nuggets, things that he wants you to pray for people. And it's simple. But it has to be out of friendship. If this is going to be a formula for you and all of that, you're going to miss the point. But if it shows you a picture of what's happening in prayer, that's what I wanted to do for you. I want you to see something, and it might be trigger points. It might be next time when you pray and you get stuck, you think, oh, man, all right, come on, let's look at that menorah. Let's just, oh, wow, okay, I've got all of it here. Or let's just look at this, or let's look at that. It doesn't matter. But you just kind of keep feeding your spirit. It's triggers that helps you into that place because you want to build this friendship with God. And so I want to encourage you to just step into this place. There's an amazing video clip. I don't have time for that. Uh, Bob Jones. And that basically describes, you can go and look for it. Just say Bob Jones Mystic Prayer. I think you'll find it uh, on YouTube. It's just one of my favorite stories. I can't tell it without crying, but I'm not going to tell it tonight just for time's sake. Because that describes it. Basically, somebody that waits on the Lord you could have asked him anything you wanted and you decide I'm not going to ask him anything because if I speak, then he's not going to speak. That was the foundation of the story. It's like if, if Jesus comes and I can ask him anything, it would be awesome. But then I'm not going to hear what he actually wants to tell me. So I'm not going to ask anything. I'm going to let him lead the conversation. So it's prayer without an agenda, right? It's visitation without me forcing it, but allowing him to lead, allowing him to be the shepherd, right? Even in my prayer time, let him lead you to that place where you want to go. Let him lead you to what you want to see. What is he praying for you right now? Imagine you could just hear that over and over and just release that into the earth. The other thing I want to say here, which is really important, is usually at this point, revelation will start flowing. And what I mean is you'll start, stuff will start, you know, what's a good word, popping off in your head. You know, you'll start maybe seeing stuff and scriptures and, and it's awesome and write it down and everything. But I want to encourage you, don't get stuck here. Um, sometimes we get so hungry for revelation and encounter that act, that actually becomes a bit of an idol. And it stops us from reaching the final goal which is union with God. You know what I mean? So sometimes as prophetic people, we get so stuck on that stuff that, that we kind of, we, we stop at that revelation. We're so excited about that revelation. And, and you have to be, you have to write it down and be a good steward of it. But there's more. There's always more, right? And again, many people kind of stop at this point because we feel so much has happened. This is God. The presence is really moving on this and, and it's awesome. And again, I just want to say, again, the, the presence need to be your guide. You know, presence and peace. Where the presence is, stay. Stay at that place. Right? Where you feel peace, stay at that place in prayer. Don't move from it. Why move from something that's feeding you? You know? Don't feel you have to rush anywhere. Just stop right there and just park there for however long. Right? And if you feel it lifts, then move forward again. 
but don't hold on to revelation too tightly in this place because sometimes that revelation can block you from moving forward does it make sense right it's almost like you grab this revelation and you get so what you get so awestruck by it and that actually pulls you out of it right because you actually pull out of the moment and there's like a, a third and a fourth place that you can go so learn to enjoy it but but have an open hand does it make sense yeah makes sense all right so again remember the intercession of christ is basically perfect prayer so you really want to hear that you want to hear what he's praying you want to hear what the spirit is praying and saying and yes it's the blood interceding obviously it's the blood speaking but he's also speaking words of destiny over us right that's basically what prophecy is you're hearing those words and you're releasing it into people's lives but i think some of it some of us need to you know get those words in the secret place and start praying it into people's lives without necessarily prophesying it you know uh, probably there would be more results if we actually intercede and pray those things into people's lives once we have it but these revelations you write down you put it in a book and then you move on forward does it make sense all right so then you step into the holy of holies of the most holy place right so there's no veil, so we, we're already there. I'm going to try and help you guys with the whole New Testament context. Remember, New Testament context, you're already in the Holy of Holies. You're already seated in heavenly places. You're already righteous, holy, just, all of those things. I understand that, and I fully believe that, and I preach that, and I believe that sounds theology. At the same time, I want to say that your mind doesn't always switch on that way, right? So this is kind of a way to help you just move into the reality of what's already available. It's not you working for it, but it's you riding on that grace into that truth. But our body and our soul, and our, uh, you know, is not always right in that way. Because you have, like Marie's always tells me when I do this stuff, she's like, how is this going to help a house, housewife? You know, because sometimes I need to go and teach. I can't sit and go into trances for whole day. You know? <laughs> so, so the point being is just it has to be practical and it has to be real. And, but our minds, we, we need to do stuff, and, and that's very real, you know. So we, we have to be relevant as well, but understand that although theologically things are true, we have to have the experience as well. But our minds, this process helps a little bit. So as you go into the Holy of Holies, there's only one thing there. It's the Ark of the Covenant, right? And I mean, this represented the very throne of God on the earth. This represents the presence of God. This is, this is all God. You understand? This is God. This room is just God. There is no room for man in here. There is no room for the flesh in here. There is no room because if you were the high priest once a year, you went in there to make atonement. And boy, you'd better be clean when you go in there because otherwise you're not coming out. Right? You would just drop dead. I mean, this is where you went through that curtain where they had the bell on your legs just to hear you're still alive. Right? They actually tied a rope around you just to be able to pull you out if things went south. Um, the point is that I'm trying to make, this is, Jesus paved that way through his blood. I mean, he opened it, he ripped the veil open, it's finished, it's done. And, you know, he ripped his body, he ripped the veil so that, that access has been given unto us. But the point of what I'm trying to make here, your senses and your will and your desire should not be playing a role here anymore, Right? This is God impressing himself on you. This is all God. Phase one or the inner court and the holy place, that, that is, the holy place is more God, but there's still a bit of me in there. This is God. This is like God is pressing himself on you. They actually called this the prayer of union. 
And what they said here is kind of like your will, your, your soulish dimension, that kind of faded out here because God took control. God started taking control of you in this place. And it was, his, it was him impressing himself into you and through you. And this is where prayer went into a whole different dimension where it's the realm of God's glory that you start stepping into, right? The Ark of the Covenant, any, everything in it was supernatural. Everything in this place is supernatural, right? Because you had the, the manna, you know, under the mercy seat, you had the manna, you had the Ten Commandments, you had Aaron's rod. Everything was supernatural. It was in that place, right? It's supernatural provision. It's supernatural revelation. That's the tablet. It's supernatural authority. That's the priestly uh, thing, the rod of Aaron. And you had the cherubim standing on the mercy seat. The mercy seat was the perfect atonement that was made by Jesus, uh, which he, who is our high priest. So we don't have that, you know, we don't have a natural high priest anymore, but we have a supernatural one, uh, which is Christ. And, but everything about this realm was about a supernatural thing that started to happen to us. So this is not me working in prayer, but this is actually me surrendering completely in prayer. This is me letting go. This is me allowing God to just move in me, move through me, uh, shut me down where he wants to shut me down, open my eyes where he wants to open it. But I'm surrendered and I'm absolutely consumed with God in this space. Um, so this is not, I'm not leading, but he's leading now. He's absolutely leading the prayer meeting at this point. And it's not, and I cannot even control myself. We just go with it, right? And we just love doing that and we surrender in that place. This is incredible what starts happening here because you start moving into the realms of his glory and you start stepping into a place of revelation and encounter and trances and visions and all these things kind of start happening out of this place this is where scripture starts connecting and things just start going off in your head and you're like how did this happen i'm not even looking for this verse i didn't know i knew that verse but these verses are coming in and things are just kind of bubbling in this place it's just alive and it's awesome and it's fantastic and it's such a privilege uh, to be in this place and that really should be the desire of our hearts to live uh, in these realms it's supernatural prayer it's um it's where he steps in and he just releases destiny he just releases stuff over us remember what he said to moses in exodus 25 22 he said to moses there i will meet with you from above the mercy seat from between the two cherubim which are on the ark of the testimony i will speak intimately with you regarding every commandment that i will give you for the israelites so this was the place the mercy seat was the place where god would speak to moses and to the highest priest from this was god just speaking directly into his spirits giving him the blueprints giving him strategies giving him understanding about the commandments, showing him what that was about, how that should look, how he should build, how he should do things. But this was God speaking. This wasn't us trying to accomplish anything. This was just him just pouring out on us. Do you understand? So this is God impressing himself, Holy Spirit taking control of us and releasing stuff. This is Mount of Transfiguration kind of stuff that's happening here. Do you understand? This is way out of our control now. And it's awesome. This is what we want, right? Um, and I want to encourage you in this just to understand that this is a grace that God releases on us, um, but it's also something that we contend with and that we hunger for and that we position ourselves for by training ourselves in prayer towards this position. Do you understand? 
And yet it's absolutely available because we have access to the Holy of Holies. We have access to this most holy place. It has been granted to us through the blood of Jesus and to the broken body of Jesus. So we have access to this realm and we can step into it and we can live out of this place and we can enjoy it and we can enjoy the glory of the Lord. And this is, like I said, this is the prayer of union. This is where we really become entwined with him. And his hearts and his thoughts, it becomes ours, right? This is where we become transformed and transfigured into that image and likeness. Our mind becomes renewed. It's encounters with the Lord. It's all these kind of things flow out of this place, right? I'm going to kind of get back to these a little bit in a minute if you allow me to finish, all right? So again, so this is the holy of holies or the most holy place. This is the prayer of union and we should move into this place but then there is a fourth place that we can step into and i want to speak quickly about that and then we're going to move on i want to give it a little bit more practical side to it are you guys still fine with that the nice part is if you're not you can just sign off because i won't know <laughs> but anyways but don't please don't all right so this fourth place is what i call throne room prayer or they call it rapture or ecstasy right so if you hear the word rapture it's not that one it's not left behind right but as bob jones one day bob do you believe in the rapture and he said yeah i get raptured every day <laughs> so that's what this is about right it's about getting caught up in the lord caught up in the spirit i was in the spirit on the day of the lord revelation 1 verse 10 and i saw one with his hair like snow and his eyes was burning like fire and his face was like lightning shining like the sun that that's it it's being raptured into the lord or going into an ecstasy and ecstasy just literally means that you are outside of yourself in that moment so it's like your spirit is just experiencing this thing full on your body is obviously involved in some way, but it's a spirit-to-spirit -spirit thing that happens in this place. And um, th this is that realm because Hebrews 6, it's, I'm not going to read all of it, but it says that uh, in the Passion, it says it so beautifully, verse 19, uh, 18, 19, and 20, it says that you have this anchor of the soul that is connected to the mercy seat, the threshold that is in heaven, right? I want, you, I want you to just see something. Old Covenant could go, the deepest they could go was the most holy place, right? New Covenant, we go beyond the shadow because remember the Old Testament, the tabernacle, all of these things, it's, it's a shadow of things that's in heaven, right? It's a shadow of the things that's there. We actually, with the grace of the New Covenant, go beyond the shadow and we go into the original, right? We actually step into the reality of the holiest of holy places, which is the throne of God, which is encounter with Jesus face to face or with the Father face to face, right? There, you have to remember that they, they said, Psalm 99 verse 1, they actually said that God sits in throne. I want you to see this. So here's the cherubim right standing the ark is right here and the cherubim is standing they're guardians of the glory right so they're standing with their wings touching each other just looking at the mercy seat psalm 99 says that god he is enthroned above the cherubim 
right? So above the cherubim, that's where God sits. It actually, they actually saw the Ark of the Covenant. They saw it as God's footstool on the earth. So the, the Ark was actually Mary sitting with the feet of Jesus. That, that was that prayer. Do you understand? That's that deep worship. Mary saw nothing but Jesus. Everything she heard, she didn't hear the people around her. She poured out all her worship. That's what she did. Think about this, these inner court, outer court, most holy place. She poured out everything on Jesus. And when she sat in that place, everything was about his words. What is he saying? And she encountered him in the stillness and in the deepest place of her spirit and her soul. That's what she had. That's the feet of Jesus. Right? We go beyond that and we reach up into the throne room of God, beyond the shadow, and we step into the real where only the high priest went. Jesus went out before us, who's forever in the order of Melchizedek. By the way, that's the difference between the Aaronic priesthood and the Melchizedek priesthood is Aaron, Aaron stopped in the most holy place, the holy of holies. The Melchizedek priesthood, which we are like because that's Jesus, they minister out of heaven onto the earth, right? And what we're trying to do is we're trying to reach into that place and touch that place and bring that reality down with us. That's actually who we are. That's what we belong. And this place of prayer is what takes us into that, right? I believe this is Jacob's ladder, right? Where Jacob put his head on the rock, which is a picture of Christ, redemption, he slept. And suddenly that ladder, and the word for ladder is a turnpike. So it's actually like a little whirlwind. That's what it looked like. And when Jacob looked up, angels were ascending and descending upon this ladder. And he saw God and God made covenant with him in that place, right? So I believe that this is kind of what Jacob experienced, this absolute ecstasy, this ecstatic or, or, or like a rapture-like experience with God. We are taken into a whole different place than you've ever been before with the Lord. And it's something that he pulls you into and you are forever marked by that for the rest of your life, right? And it changes us and it's available to us. It actually is available to us as we seek it out, as we say, Lord, we want to step into this place. This place is filled with joy. It's filled with silence. It's filled with ecstasy. It's gentle, right? This is not a... This is not scary. You need to freak out about it. This is awesome. This is the grace of God that pulls us into something that's so amazing, but it's so spirit to spirit. So it's so clear what happens in this place that you absolutely know that this is God. Uh, Teresa of Avila explained this. She said, this is, if you are a garden, this is like receiving rain. Right? You can do nothing about it. You just receive it. This is just God pouring on you the mist of his presence. It's just the rain of God just starting to fall on you and it nourishes the soul and it awakens us and it stirs something up on the inside of us. So this is that realm of ecstasy, right? Peter had it in Acts chapter 10, right? When he was sitting on the roof and he had that trance, that word for trance is ecstasy. It was so spirit to spirit. I mean, he was completely disoriented by it. But it was so spirit to spirit that it actually happened in that minute. He had an ecstasy, right? This is what John the Revelator experienced in, in the book of Revelations. This is what Paul experienced when he said, I don't know, in the body, out of the body, I, I don't know anymore. It's confusing. Who knows, right? 
This is the place where God wants to take us. This is what is available in him. Because the Father wants to show us his world. Do you agree? The Father wants to reveal his world to us. Because there's something about it when we come from heaven with the testimony of the Lord. John 3, verse 31, 32, and 33. He says, when one comes out of heaven with the testimony of the Lord, that should be listened to. And we put our seal on it. John 3, 33. We put our seal on it by, by agreeing with it. And by doing so, we say that what he says is the truth. Right? So there's something about it. There's an authority released on who we are when we come from that place that impacts our family, that impacts everything around us. Right? And I want you to think of these things and just remember that, that there, there's a picture I want you to hear. I'm trying to wrap it up, right? Because we're going very long. So give me five minutes, please. Because uh, I don't want to stop you. So the picture I want you to see is John 15, verse 7, verse 9, 10, 11, and 15. Uh, you know, 15, 15 says that I no longer call you a servant, but I call you a friend. The servant is outside of the house and he doesn't know what the, what, what the, what the master is doing, but you are friends. You're in the house and you know what he's doing. Listen, that's mystic prayer. That's the point of this whole thing. It's that we're in the counsels of the Lord. We're in his presence and we partake of this. That word for friend is the word philos in Greek. Here's the crazy thing. I want you to hear this. This blew my mind. That word means a friend that is so close to the bridegroom that he would ask on behalf of the bridegroom, he would ask the bride for her hand in marriage for him. Isn't that something? So we become the friends that actually invites the bride into this covenant relationship with the Lord. That's a friend of God. Right? That's a friend of Jesus. And then it says that that friend, Philos, he also had a big role in some of the, mari uh, of some of the um, marriage ceremony processions and, and you know, legalities that had to take place. Isn't that phenomenal? That you become that person that brings the bride in to a covenant relationship. That's a friend, man. All of this is, again, is still to push out into the harvest. It's still to push out into the lives of people to make a difference in that. And so when we come out, we are energized, we're full of life. They can feel the presence of God around us as we do this, right? It's supposed to push us into a different place with the Lord. And I just want to tell you something that I believe as the more we walk with the Lord and the more we walk with friendship with God, it's never about stage one, stage two, stage three, stage four, Man, that's not the point. I'm trying to show you different levels of encounter where God meets with us. But the more I'm aware of him, I can just sometimes sit and I just go into some place without doing anything. I just go into an encounter or I go into a vision or I go into something because I've been busy with him all day long. Do you understand? Because we don't always have time to sit for five hours and work through this step by step. And You know, it's awesome when we have it, but we don't have it every day. But as I'm growing in my friendship with him, he reveals secrets to me. Most of the encounters or like trans-like experiences I've had in my life, it all came by accident. Like I didn't work at it. I was just in a space where I was really hungry for God. So when he woke me up two in the morning, it was like literally I sat up and, you know, I just went into something. Right? Or sometimes I'll just sit and I'll be busy with him all day long in my head and, 
then finally I get to come and sit at my at my desk and I'll just close my eyes and just just go into an encounter or something. And I said, was it like the stages and it's just it shows you just something of our prayer life of where we're supposed to be. We're supposed to live in the holy of holies and up. And anyway, we're supposed to live in heavenly places constantly. We're supposed to be trained in that. But when we start engaging our lives unto the Lord and we set our minds on Him and we set our minds on friendship with Him, that is actually mystical prayer. So it's not just when I sit in my office or sit in my prayer closet, but it's constantly throughout the day preparing my heart so that when He wakes me up in the middle of the night, I'm ready and the gates are open, the gates of my soul, the gates of my spirit are open like Psalm 24 says, because I've been lifting Him up all day. I've been praising Him all day. I've been just laying my life before him all day, connecting. So suddenly when that hour comes, I'm ready. And I can receive from the Lord whatever he wants to release, right? And just step into that place without labor. This is not supposed to be labor when we're doing it wrong. It's friendship. Friendship with God. Just communion with the Lord. Talk to him like a friend. Love him like a friend. Yes, he's our king and there's a place for that. And listen, if you're in the presence, you'll know he's king. You're not going to forget that. Trust me right? But just the friendship facet, don't lose that because we're busy with works. Enjoy it. This is about enjoying God. This is about knowing that I don't have to just stay in the outer court, but I can go into the inner court. I can go into the Holy of Holies and I can go into an ecstasy, hopefully in the name of Jesus more often, right? I would love that. And that's the whole point of this thing is to step into that more and more and more and allow him to wash over you, right? I don't know if this, um, I hope this helped you a little bit. I hope this gives you some kind of a grip to something. This is a long and a heavy teaching a little bit, but it's just to unpack something for you to see that there's a different space that we can move into. And it begins with faith, but it's centered around the presence. It has to be centered around the presence of God. It has to be in that place, and it has to be rooted on that completely just wanting the presence, not works, not none of those things. It's presence, presence, presence. God, just I want to be in your presence. I want to sit in it. I'll, I'll, I'll not hear a thing. If you don't want to speak, it's okay. But can I feel you? Can I just, you know what I mean? It's just I want to be aware that you are with me. That's the place where God wants to lead us into constantly, constantly, and that should be the affections of our hearts. So I want to I pray for you guys real quick about this and, uh, and just, you know, release that over you. So what I felt, and I'm taking a risk in saying this, but I even felt that as I'm going to pray for you tonight, that, that some of you are going to find favors manifesting around you. A little bit as I do it. It's Psalm 91 that says, hide me under the shadow of your wings. I felt like some of you are going to see favors manifest like, now or tonight or somewhere. So I want you to keep your eye open. Why is it cool? Because it's a sign. It's just a sign, right? And uh, we've been getting them for years. And, um, you know, my daughter's been getting them, and my wife and the kids. And, you know, so, and, and all it does, it just reminds me that Psalm 91, right? It's hide me in that place. It's a secret place. It's abiding under the shadow of the Lord. It's mystic prayer, right? That's what it is. It's, it's simple. So, Lord, I just want to thank you tonight that we can just sit here and as I speak and hopefully as people are listening, that a tremendous hunger would be stirred in all of our hearts, Lord, 
but also that yokes would fall off of us. Well, I just declare Matthew 11, 28 right now. Come to me, those who are weary, and I will give you rest. Those who are heavy yoked, that those yokes will be broken. My burden is light and it's easy. And thank you that it's easy. Thank you that you want to break religious yokes, yokes of performance that you want to break off of people right now. Yokes of feeling that I'm praying wrong or this is not right or whatever. I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. And we just, we, can, we commit to one thing, all of us tonight, that we're going to listen to the call that says, come to me. I want you to hear him say that to you. Come to me. Come to me. Just come. Boldly come to me. Boldly come to the front of grace, Hebrews 4. Boldly come to that place. Come to me and I will give you rest. Come to me and I'm going to break off yokes. So Lord Jesus, I, I thank you that you're breaking off yokes. Thank you that you're releasing something. Lord, I pray for a grace, Lord. Uh, the grace of contemplative prayer, the grace of mystic prayer, that thing will be released over all of us in this season in a whole new way in the name of Jesus. That the spirit of prayer will rest upon us. That the spirit of prayer will move over our hearts. And that the grace of contemplation will just be released. Just release it even in this moment. Lord, as you showed me about those favors, I just pray that it will start releasing right now in the name of Jesus. Listen, guys, if you can hang in there for a minute or so, can we do that? Just rest in that. I'm going to be quiet now. But I want you to feel the peace of God, to feel the stillness of the Lord suddenly moving. Jesus name, Father, I just pray for that. Just let it come, Lord. Lord. Thank you that your angels are moving in around people right now, Lord. I just see how commissioning is taking place even in this moment, Lord. I even see how you're imparting a graceful prayer over people. Lord, I even see how you're just stirring people's hearts right now. And even as we sit, people are going to start feeling angels. Uh, one of the ways I feel them is it almost feels like, like this pins in the pins and needles but always like somebody is uh, tickling your head a little bit that's how i usually know they're there and some of you are going to start feeling that some of you are just going to start feeling uh, just stuff moving around you but in a real positive way it's like i, I sense that you're going to feel the cloud around you just that that soft presence of the lord some of you are even going to get some mist in the room right now so what i just thank you just just release that 
release. Father, as we step in, Holy Spirit, we love you. Glory to glory. Glory to glory. Friendship with God, face to face. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for listening to this session. We hope that you were blessed by it. For more information about the ministry, go to www.aflame.co.za or find us on Facebook and Instagram under Aflame Ministries. Until next time, be blessed in Jesus' name.